This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Hallelujah. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power. Love our God is an awesome God. Do you believe it? Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power. And love our God is an awesome God. Father, we love you today. Lord, we bless you. We say this is the day that you have made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Yeah, our fabulous Father, we love you, Jesus. It was um, my sad um, opportunity to find out this week, uh, this weekend, that Pastor Jim Williams, my spiritual father and mentor and uh, perhaps someone that many of you knew, uh, passed away this weekend, went on to glory, uh, aged in his 80s and uh, you know, he uh, was such an amazing man, and we just have been praying for the family. I, I announced it uh, on the on Friday, but you know, the Lord has taken him home to glory. And if you want to be, uh, if you knew the Williams family and you wanted to come along to the funeral, they're going to be posting that uh, information in the next day or two. So just keep your eyes out. Uh, we he was such a, a blessing to our lives. He's the one that sent me out, credentialed me, and said, "You need to go pastor those people, Catherine." And, uh, and has mentored me ever since. He married Tom and I 20, nearly 24 years ago, 23 years ago. And um, so we want to just say uh, to the family, could we just take a moment to pray for the Williams family? Would that be all right? Can we do that? Father, we just thank you for this great man of God, Lord. We thank you for the gift that he was to us. And Lord, we ask, Father, for Betty and the family, Lord, that you would comfort them right now, that you would put your arms around them, let them know your comfort. Lord, you know how close Betty and uh, Jim were. They just celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary on, fr on, on Thursday night. And Papa, you know, Lord, how she'd be feeling right now. Put your arms around her. Comfort her, Lord, I ask. Bless the family, Lord. Bless the church. In Jesus' precious name, everybody said, "Amen." I thought it was so precious. He was he was well and healthy to celebrate uh, his wedding anniversary, sixty years, um, on the Thursday night, and then Friday morning, I had a massive stroke and and just didn't recover, but uh, didn't suffer. Praise the Lord! And um, so our thoughts go out to them. Hallelujah! It does remind us, though, of the reality of eternity. It's a stunning thought to me to think that he's there right now. And, you know, if we could live with that reality in our heads, in our thinking, in our hearts, that heaven is a very real place. Eternity is very, very real. The Bible tells us that our lives are like a breath. And, and David prays, Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that we would live with an eternal perspective uh, to see uh, and to, to, to recognize that life is not about us. Life is all about him and it's all about eternity and our privilege of being ministers of reconciliation. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I was 
wanting to share with you today a continuation of a series that I have been doing for quite some time now um, called Wilderness to Wonders. And my heart is that there's a lot of people, as they go through their journey in life, struggle at times to understand where are you, God, and what's going on? Why is this happening? You know, you can torment yourself with the why, God, why? What happened? Who did something that this has happened? What have I done? What's happened? And I've shared with you that it's so important that we don't get tempted to get into the why, God, why? Because the why is not what we need to be looking at all the time. You know, the disciples did that when they saw a man born blind. They came to Jesus and they said, why was this man born blind? Was it because he sinned or maybe it was his mother sinned or his father sinned or was it because he did he sin in the womb? You know, they were trying to figure out there's got to be a cause for this. There's got to be a reason that bad things happen to people. And Jesus just shut them down. He just, he just didn't go there. He said, hey, it's about me about to heal him. Guys, adjust your vision. You know, and we as Christians, whatever we're walking through or whether we're walking somebody else through something diff- difficult, we need to stop being the, we've got to find why, to the, we've got to find who Jesus is in this situation. Amen? And so it's so important that we live carefully, understanding that God wants to be our healer. God wants to be our savior. He wants to be our fierce protector. He wants to be our provider. You know, I was, I've been reading the Psalms. In fact, I've been listening uh, to Brian Simmons' audio version of, of the Psalms this week. It was delicious and is delicious. I'm still enjoying it. Uh, But I was just reading today Psalm 22, and I felt the Holy Spirit tell me to go there. And reading several different Psalms and looking at it, Psalm 22 is a fascinating Psalm. It's it's a prophecy about Jesus. But I want to just read a little of it with uh, to you. If you want to turn there, if you have the Passion Translation, you can have a look at it there or uh, in your own translation. You know, I want to encourage you, no matter what you're reading, just read. Read the Bible and read lots of different translations. But here it is, Psalm 22. It says here, God, oh my God, why would you abandon me now? Why do you remain distant, refusing to hear my moaning, my groaning? I weep with desperate cries for your help. I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? You know, a lot of us would begin looking at a psalm like this, and if you're anything like me, go, yeah, nah, that's not the psalm I want to read today. Let's read another psalm. Let's read Psalm 23. And that's how we look at the psalms often. Like, yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. But this was a psalm that Jesus knew by heart. There are 33 references to Christ and prophetic references to Christ in this scripture, in this psalm alone, which I think is amazing. It's, it's 33 references to his death. And Jesus was 33 when he died. And um, I look at this and, I, and you can hear quotes that Jesus made as he was on the cross. He was quoting the, the 22nd psalm. And so there must be value in it. So I want to keep reading. He's saying, and and this is David writing this, but also it's prophetically speaking of Jesus. Where are you, my God? 
Then he goes on to say, yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are the enthroned God, surrounded with songs, living among the shouts of praise of your princely people. Our father's faith was in you. Through every generation, they trusted and believed in you, and you came through. Every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. You didn't disappoint them. And I love this. You know, the Psalms are so precious because... He gets very real and says, hey, this is how I'm feeling. But this is what, okay, okay I'm, I'm adjusting my vision. I, I know you are faithful. I know who you are. And he, began to he begins to declare the faithfulness of God. You are faithful to generations. You are most holy. You, and you can feel, can you feel the, uh, the, the change, the shift as he begins to fix his eyes on who God is? And you know, there's such a key for us in that. I, I don't know about you, but I've had times when things have come against me that have been so emotionally disturbing that it's been difficult for me to hear the voice of God. And I normally find it so easy to hear the voice of God. You know, God, what are you saying? Give me an answer and he'll speak and he'll, I'll hear him. But there's been times when things have been so overwhelming that I've struggled to hear the voice of God. Anybody else ever been in that situation? Well, you know, this is not something that is uncommon. But God has an answer for us. When you can't hear like you're used to hearing, you don't have to despair and say, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken so you would never have to be. Hallelujah. But there are times we go through acquainted with his sufferings where we walk through things where it feels like I can't hear you. I don't know what's going on. I feel afraid. I feel abandoned. And it's at that moment that we, we have hope in that we can turn to the word of God. If you can't hear the Spirit of God giving you a, 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 a word, you can open your Bible and read until you find one. Because there is the answer in here. Hallelujah. And God has given us the word of God to, to encourage us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And if whatever situation you're in, you can find him in there. You can read about the testimonies of who he is. You can find comfort. You can read about the truth of his nature and do just as the psalmist did here. In this situation, I'm going to fix my eyes on who you are. Oh, that's right. You're surrounded by angels. They're worshiping you. Oh, you are big. You are glorious. You are faithful. For generations, people have put their faith in you and you've never let them down. And as we lift up our heads, we begin to see clearly. You know, God wants to make sure that we get clear lenses to see. Hallelujah. That we don't allow them to be colored by circumstances. Hallelujah. So he goes on and he begins to just talk about the good things of God. You know, as I, from when I was saved, when I was 12, I began uh, just keeping a little book. And I've got lots and lots of little books now. But I, I'd, I'd have invited in my little book things that would happen with God. You know, I remember on a youth camp, I got a, a prophetic word and it was something like, God really loves you. And I wrote it in my book and I was like, this is mine. This is what God thinks about me. And I'd write down things that, special things that happened, my history with God, that to other people may not have seemed spectacular, but that I knew. This is God. I remember what he did. And I kept my little book in a shoebox in my room. And any time I was feeling discouraged, I'd go and get my book and I'd look at it and I'd remember, oh, 
Yes, that's right. I remember what you did. And you know, God has called each one of us to, ha- to remember his goodness. Now the Psalms say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Hallelujah. So that means we need to be actively reminding ourselves and thinking about the good things that he's done. In the midst of a really big tornado or a big you know, storm of circumstances, it can be hard to remember those things. But if you've got it written down, you can go back. And you know what? This book, the Word of God, it's been written down for such a time as that, that you can go there. There is detailed testimony of who God is so that you can have a readjustment of your view, a readjustment of the lenses that the enemy tries to color and distort. And you can look again and go, ha, ha, ha. This is my faithful Jesus. This is who he is. I'm not going to trouble myself with weighty matters and things too difficult for me to understand. I'm not going to go there with the why God, why, when God, when, how God, how. I'm going to adjust my view to see who are you. He is our saviour. He is our redeemer. He is our faithful one. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you, read the Psalms. There's so much precious, uh, powerful truth in there that can really encourage you. Hallelujah. I want to turn, if you would, to Psalm 34. You know, I really believe that um, the heart of God is that we would really understand his desire for us to be representing him, remembering who we are, that we might be as he is. But Psalm 34, verse 19, in, in some translations it reads like this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hallelujah. In the Passion Translation, it it renders it like this. Even when bad things happen to good and godly ones, the Lord will save them and not let them be defeated by what they face. Hallelujah. So rather than going, well, there must have been, maybe it's because your grandmother did this, or maybe it's because you did this, or maybe it's because this happened. You know, there is an answer for every one of those things in the Bible that will turn you to look at him. God wants to be your rhema word. He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you. The Holy Spirit wants to comfort you, wants to remind you, wants you to know that no matter what you're going through, I don't want you to dig a hole in, of depression and discouragement and condemnation and think, well, I just must deserve this. Look at the one who wants to be your great hero. Hallelujah. Your great deliverer. And any thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of who he wants to be to you must be cast down because there is a battle that goes on in your brain. If you try and wait, well, what about that person? I don't know if they, you know, was he he their deliverer? I don't know if I can trust God. You have a choice. You can either go into the human reasoning realm or you can be like Peter and say, Where else am I going to go, Lord? You alone have the words of life. I can choose the human reasoning track or I can choose the hope track. And I tell you, as you, as you shut down the arguments of the enemy and say, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to trust in the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind. Hallelujah. 
God's heart for us is not that we would um, twist ourselves up trying to figure out what caused it, but to look at the reality of, this is who he is to us right now. Hallelujah. Psalm 23, which I really love. um, And I'll read this in the Passion Translation. Just the first verse here. The whole lot is fabulous. But you would regularly know um, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And it's, a, it's exactly what it is. He is our shepherd, our protector. Uh, Brian's translated it like this. Uh, God is my fierce protector and my pastor. You know, I love that word, my fierce protector, because that's how he is. Sometimes we can think of shepherds and we think of these nice little Renaissance pastorals uh, where we, we see these gentle little shepherds. But the shepherds had to sleep with the sheep out in the wild with lions and bears, and they had to be warriors. And they were fierce in, their, in the way that they would protect their sheep. Think of David. He knew all about it. He was writing it. Understood that a shepherd is not just tender, but a shepherd is a warrior. One that, that fights off the beasts and, and protects the sheep. And that's who God is for us. Hallelujah. But that's also who we're called to be as him in this earth. We are called to be prayer warriors that wouldn't sit back and go, when's God going to do something? But to actually rise up and step up and say, as he is, so am I in this world. He is the good shepherd. He is my fierce protector. Therefore, I also have authority to rebuke the devourer. Hallelujah. To shake off the, the old, oh, I'm a poor victim mentality. And when is someone going to pray for me? When is someone going to help? To get to, to turning around and saying, the Lord is my fierce protector. He is, as he is, so am I in this world. And I've been given authority to rebuke the devourer because God has got my back. Hallelujah. And then God is looking for us also to fiercely protect those around us, that we would pray for our brothers and sisters. You know, I believe, and you know, we've heard it several times that God is really speaking to us about prayer. Uh, Just today I was reading, you know, uh, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations. This is the the heart of Jesus that we would pray, not just for ourselves and our own stuff, but for nations. Why would he even say that? If he didn't think that we had power and authority to see things shift and change. You know, I think a lot of the time we forget the authority that we've been given. We get blindsided by the enormity of what looks like difficult circumstances. And God is saying, hey, I want to be your glory and the lifter of your head so you can look up and see how big I am. So instead of looking at the bigness of circumstances, you see the bigness of your fierce protector, the bigness of the God of glory who created the world with his words, hallelujah, who defeated sin and death, who's conquered the grave. And he wants to help us look up and see so that we remember, ah, that's who I am now joined to. God is for me. Who can be against me? I am therefore now anointed and qualified to set the captives free. As I pray and decree and declare, I can see things shift and change. I'm not trying to. I am doing it because this is who we are. 
You see, out of understanding our identity, which is what we discover in these wilderness times, we've got to learn what it looks like, what our beloved looks like, so we can lean on him, so we can discover what it looks like to know him and then know who we are. In that magnificent place of discovering the truth, ah, oh, this is what you say, that's where authority really starts to come where we no longer live in a place of, oh, yes, technically I understand I've got authority over the works of the evil one. But you actually begin to know, hmm, I've looked into his eyes, I've seen how fiery fierce they are, and this is who is in me, the fire of God is upon me. When we're talking about being baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, what do you think the fire is for? A fire goes before him and burns up all his enemies. Hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you're amening tonight. He is looking for this fire, the fierce fire of God to come out of his people and begin to take the ground that is already given to us as inheritance. Hallelujah. To stop living in, in, in a, uh, like a... Um, a place where we've been brought into some form of drugged um, misreality, where we feel sedated. I think a lot of the church has been sedated by the lies of the enemy, where they've just passively felt like, oh, well, oh dear, well, I'll try a bit of this and I'll try a bit of that. And there's mixture in, the, in, in their hearts, mixture that, that causes things to be unstable. But the Lord is wanting to refine our vision. So instead of having mixture, we start to step up and, and rise up, begin to shine and begin to see the glory of the Lord come. You know, then we would no longer be, be um, thinking, well, one day if I could one day have authority to, to see people get healed, we would actually recognize such as I have. We'd, we'd move out of a place of faith. But it comes, the Bible tells us that faith works by, faith works by, yeah, faith comes by hearing, but faith works by love. We need the love of God shows shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit to actually allow that faith to to cause us to be anchored in the midst of the storm. You see, without knowing his great love for us, we are, we, we are subject to the fear that the enemy wants to put on us. Jesus even felt like this. He felt the, the, the pressure of what he was about to face. But praise God, the Holy Spirit was there to help him and focus his eyes on who God is and he gave him strength. And he was able to draw on the truth of the word of God. And you know, you read Psalm 22 right through to the end, it's powerful. And because he knew who God was, he knew what the, the purpose of God was, he was able to draw strength out of knowing his God. But it's in knowing God who is love that we have uh, the perfect love of God comes in and casts out all fear. But there's another level to that too. As we receive the love of God, we've got to learn how to love ourselves. We've got to understand that God's love for us is not just a technical one-way thing. It's an intimate, passionate, warm, real thing. He feels love towards you. He feels, God, God has feelings. I know that sounds like a shocker to some people. 
But he is not a philosophy. He is not God up in the sky, distant and apart from us. We are made in his image. If you have feelings, he does too. And his heart towards you, his emotion towards you is deep affection, greater than you've ever understood. His affection for you is so rich and so glorious that he says, you can't handle it. You need to pray for supernatural help. So where's that in the Bible? Ephesians 3. Pray that you'd be strengthened with might in your inner being so that you can comprehend Christ dwelling in your heart through faith, that you may be able to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. You need supernatural help to handle the emotion of God towards you. I don't know. I think that sounds pretty good to me. And this is available to us moment by moment so that every day we don't live in that sedated state, but we live brought alive. You make me come alive, like the song says, where he wants to make us come alive afresh with the reality that, hey, wake up, O sleeper. Arise from the dead. Shake off the lies of the enemy and the the conforming patterns of the world that would try to to seduce you to believe that you you are some sort of victim that'll just make it through. But wake up and recognize the fiery one has such deep affection for you and that you would open up the gates of your heart and let this King of glory come in. Now, I know if you've been born again, the King of glory has come into your heart, but he wants to come in every day in a deeper way. He doesn't go away, but I tell you, there's more of him than you could ever possibly handle, and he wants to fill you to overflowing every day. And he wants it to be so glorious and so intense that as, the, as you open wide the gates of your heart and say, King of glory, come in. He wants to dispel every doubt, every fear. He wants to clean the glasses and remind you of what you're looking like. What he looks like and therefore what you like look like. James chapter 1 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Because if anyone's a, a, hear, a, a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looked in a mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. You will only walk in the exploits of God if you are daily looking in the face of who he is and reminding yourself of what you look like and living in the place, not walking away from the mirror of his face, but living there and saying, God, give me supernatural strength to let your glory come in until I am absolutely overwhelmed and undone, transformed day by day, gazing into your face so that every time I get up, the enemy runs away. What's it going to look like when we get this? When the body of Christ, I see it, I see it rising. I see the water level rising. People are grabbing a hold of this. But what will the world look like with a people who have understood and decided I'm crossing over. I'm not going to live with this mixture anymore. I am going to make my highest priority to seek his face that I might have this supernatural strength to receive this deep affection that's beyond my ability to handle so that I can get up and go and be Christ to the world. People will be healed. People will be delivered. People will be set free. Nations will be changed. People will begin to pray with with nation-changing faith. 
I'll say that again. People will begin to pray with nation-changing faith. The victims, the ones that, the ones that had, had been walking through life and, and, uh, or the ones that had been facing difficult, deep, hard circumstances. These ones, look who is this coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on the arm of her beloved. The reason they're saying, look, it's like, whoa, look at that. What are they going to see when people look at you? Are they going to see a beaten up survivor? Or are they going to see somebody that's shining, that's, whose eyes are blazing with glory, that is coming with a, a boldness of faith that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we discover the one that is our supernatural source, hallelujah, our magnificent Jesus. You know, I believe the Holy Spirit is so wanting to refresh our hearts today. He wants whatever circumstance you've been through, he wants to reveal himself to you as your provider, as your lover, as your strength, as your healer, whatever you need, as your comforter, as your counselor, as your help, as the one that will never leave you or forsake you. But he wants to take you beyond that into waking up and realizing you are so much more special than you've understood. By looking into the face of Jesus, you no longer just realize that he's your savior, your redeemer, your healer, but you begin to recognize that you've been given as a gift on this earth. People say, hey, wait, that's going too far. Really? The Bible tells me that if it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you, that you've been crucified with Christ raised up with him, you are now seated in heavenly places, I would consider you to be a gift on this earth. Because he who is in you is greater than he that's in the world. You've been called to do greater works than Jesus. It's in the book. Don't look at me so shocked. That's your destiny. Well, that's my destiny. Is that your destiny? Because as he is, so are we in this world. This isn't just some nice pep talk. I'm telling you, I am thinking from an eternal perspective. I have one life to live. And if I'm not going to see God glorified through it, I think, what is the point? Because if Christ is in me, then the world around me should be changed. You know, when Elisha received the double portion of Elijah, he picked up the mantle and he said, where is the God of Elijah? He didn't do it saying, I'll test this out and see what happens. He did that with an attitude, I know what I've got right now and I'm going to see it demonstrated. Well, I want to tell you, our Jesus has gone and his spirit has come like the mantle that fell from heaven and it's upon you right now and he's waiting for you to pick it up and see what you're going to do with it. He wants you to pick up the mantle that's come from heaven. Jesus said, I am so excited about going. Remember they saw him go? Elijah said, if you see me, you can have it. Well, they saw him go and the mantle came down. The mantle came down on the day of Pentecost and it was the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. That's what's come upon us now. Jesus said, it's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come upon you. 
more exciting than you're reacting. Oh, Jesus. If we actually understood that, if we actually then stepped into it by experience and deliberately made it our, our meditation day and night, God, the mantle from heaven. I haven't received a double portion of the mantle of Elijah. I've received double of what Jesus was walking in because he said great works and those shall I do. I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They shall cast out demons. They'll cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. <laughs> Ask of me the nations and I'll give them to your, your, your inheritance. So we've got, to shift, we've got to change our glasses. We've got to take off the small thinking. We've got to take off the survival mentality. And we've got to look up at the one who is magnificent, that we put on the glasses, that look at him and say, wow, you're amazing. <gasps> Fill me, Holy Spirit, overwhelm me with your love. And then get up and believe that he feels that way about you so that that perfect love then can uh, transform the world around you. You see, in actually allowing yourself to go deeper and, and feel what he feels about you, you can love others well. It's only through love that the gifts of the Spirit work. So you can get this technically, but if you haven't got love, the Bible says you've got nothing. But if you actually let that love transform you and you actually come into agreement with it, this deep affection that's beyond your ability to handle, if you can actually allow the Holy Spirit to open up your heart, agree with Him and say, help me to experience and know your deep affection for me that I might feel it and know it too about myself, toward myself, then He says, I love one another as I have loved you. Because to the level that you are able to receive and agree and love yourself like God loves you, is the level to which you can go out and do great exploits. Because without that, you're going to be limited. Without love, you have nothing. It's referring to the gifts of the Spirit. But when you have the love of God, your, your glasses change. Instead of looking at somebody that's, that's dressed funny and behaving uh, rudely or doing something, looking at them and being critical... You can look at them with the eyes of love and see an opportunity for the manifestation of the glory to come. Hallelujah. Jesus could have looked at the woman at the well and gone, oh my goodness, I know about you and been judgmental. But because he is love, he looked at this woman divorced five times and he saw an apostle that would change a city. He saw a woman that would bring her whose testimony would transform a whole city. He, and he didn't just see her for what she could do. He looked at her and he saw her heart. He saw how much he, you know, the father loved her and he had love toward her. And he invited her into this glorious well, this glorious river of overflowing love. The living water that he offered her was what is offered to us day by day. The living water is offered to us, but often we are too busy to open up our hearts and take it. 
and we get seduced into this lifestyle of I've just got to you know, live and survive. Yes, unless a man works, he, he doesn't eat. You, you've got work to do. But I tell you, if you don't make your highest priority drinking from the living water, you are going to run out of steam and you're going to live way below the level God has called you to live. As you go about your work, why not go about overflowing with the glory and the life of God? Everything you do, do it unto the Lord, focusing on Him, thinking about His goodness and releasing the love of God everywhere we go. God wants to remind us. He wants us to, to see like He sees, think like He thinks, act like He acts. He doesn't, he doesn't go about making coarse jokes and, and, and behaving badly. He goes around looking at people how He can love them. He's happy. That's right. He's happy. Therefore, as Christ is, so am I in this world. There is joy available to me. There's a joy available to you. And it's available every day. He's the Prince of Peace. And His peace is available to me every day. He is love and His love is available to me right now. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, I thank you for the truth of who you are. God, I'm asking for this people to be able to open up their hearts and receive your love. And everybody listening, that they might receive the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that they would daily drink from the living water that would cause them to be conquered by your love, casting out all fear and causing them to rise up in holy faith that would move mountains, that would see nations shift. Father, I'm asking that you would help us. Holy Spirit, you are our helper. So we lean on you. We invite you right now. Come and help. Transform my thinking. Transform my heart. Day by day, help me have my mind renewed as I read about you in your word, as I fellowship with you, as I open wide the gates of my heart deliberately day by day. Conquer me. Overwhelm me with your satisfying love that I might be daily transformed. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would help us go and get the daily bread you have for us, that we wouldn't leave it squandering, we wouldn't, we wouldn't leave it, uh, but we would take it, we would eat it, we would enjoy it. Lord, that you'd help us to drink. God, I ask, Lord, that you deliver your people from evil and condemnation and help them know the truth, that you are for them, that you love them, that you are always happy to see them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Woohoo! Yay, God! Papa, come. We're just going to pray for a couple of people and then we're going to take communion together. But before I do that, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're here and you know in your heart you haven't been walking with God, you are not in fellowship with Him. God is love, and true love requires a response in order to come into relationship. You know, when I married Tom, I wasn't forced to marry him. I married him because I wanted, him, wanted to. 
And in the same way, marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride. There must be a willingness. There must be a response in our hearts that says, Lord, I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to exchange my old life to receive your life. I want to exchange my old identity to receive a new identity. I want to exchange my sin to receive your righteous nature. I want to receive, uh, exchange my old life and receive your eternal life. If you're here today and you know in your heart you are not walking with God, but you want to respond to his mercy and get your life right with Christ to invite him in and make you brand new on the inside, I want to pray with you before we pray with anybody else tonight. This is on the heart of God. If that's you, would you wave your hand at me? I want to pray for you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. That's precious. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. Anybody else? Just wave your hand at me. Yes, it's beautiful. Anybody else? Just wave your hand at me. I'll see that. Hallelujah. Thank you. I see your hand. That's so precious. Anybody else? Yes, God bless you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I see you. Yes. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Just wave your hand at me. Hallelujah. That's so precious. Yes, I see your hand. It's beautiful. But let me tell you how much that means to you, Father. He says, I've gone and I've been preparing a place for you, waiting for the day that you would surrender to me and that you would come into relationship. The Father runs towards you right now. His attitude to you is just so full of love. He wants to wrap His arms around you and love you. Would you pray this after me? Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be crucified in my place. I believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that He died and rose again. Right now, Lord, I surrender my life. I exchange my life and I receive yours by faith. I give you all of my sin and I receive your forgiveness, your mercy your righteousness. Thank you for loving me. Help me to know you, Lord, in ever-increasing ways. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you. If you were praying that today, that prayer for the first time, or you were rededicating your life, could you just stand up where you are? And we want to gather around you. We're just going to have a few people just pray for you. Quickly, if people can just run to these ones all around here and just put your hands on them, just stand up. And I want you just to pray for them. Hallelujah. There's another couple over up the back. Father, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray for these special ones, Lord God, that have just come and surrendered their hearts to you. Papa, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would touch them, Father, that you would encourage them, Lord, that every moment as they lie down and as they get up, Lord, that you would remind them that you are with them, that you care about them. Lord, I ask for your help to teach them, to strengthen them, Lord. Bless them indeed. Papa, help them, Lord. I'm asking, Lord, that they would find you and feel you in a tangible way. Lord, that you'd help them to read the Bible. You'd help them to know you. You'd help them, Father, as they walk. Lord, you'd help them get connected into a family, church family, Lord, that that they would be rooted and grounded in you, Lord. You who began a good work in them, you will carry it through to completion. Lord, we bless them in your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.